0: Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome, everybody online. Those of you in Yuma that are joining us, those of you that are in your homes that are across the whole world, welcome. Welcome to all you in the house. If you haven't said hello to somebody this morning, you should turn to somebody around you and say good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Glad you all are here today. Welcome, all right, that's enough, just kidding, all right, all right, we love you too, let's uh, let's see what God has planned for us today, a couple things I want to remind you of. Next Sunday, as we celebrate the 4th of July, we'll be celebrating baptism and the services. So if you want to be baptized, if you haven't signed up yet, you can go to our website, cfftucson.com, and sign up to be part of the baptism. I'll get a hold of everybody that's going to be baptized this week, and we'll get all that straightened out and set up, and we'll do it in whatever service people are attending. That's our plan. We'll see what God's doing. All right. We have places for you to serve. All kinds of places. I just want you to know, a lot of times people think, because we have a lot of people in the service, like, uh, I can just slip in and slip out. I want you to know there's places for you to slide in early and stay. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so, uh, we welcome you. I want you to know there's a change next Sunday. Our uh, two vans will be going out on a, a missions trip, and so next Sunday, those of you that are at the Gospel Rescue Mission and the ladies' uh, shelter, I can't remember the name over there, but anyway, what's the name of it? Women's there you go. Uh, we're going to send a bus. So there's going to be a bus, but it's going to obviously take a little different timing as it goes from one place to the other to bring you here. But uh, that'll just be for next Sunday while our vans are on a trip. So we're going to use that to pick you up and just so everybody's on the same page. And I may forget to tell you that's what's happening. So you won't be looking for our vans. You'll be looking for a bus next week. Um, you should probably ask which bus you're getting on in case you, you know... We want to make sure you come back to be with us, so keep that in mind as we do this, okay? All right, Um, last week I told you that uh, Alex and Nicole were going to be, this is their last Sunday, so I'm going to ask them to come up here, we're going to pray over them. Alex is is, um, Air Force military, and he's uh, being sent over to Germany with his lovely bride and their children. And uh, yeah, thank you. We're very blessed uh, to have this young couple with us. And, uh, you know, we want to do this over them. Would you extend your hand towards them? Father God, as we come before you in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for Alex and Nicole. God, thank you. (laughs) Still see them as young kids running around the church, Lord. And here they are, fully mature adults with children. And, God, you have a plan. Thank you for the, the years of service that they have served you here with us and in the community and the military. ask you to put your hand of protection over them and their children as they go. Use them. God, you already have a plan. You know exactly where they're going to live. You know the people they're going to meet. And you know that they need Jesus. And so we're sending these missionaries to be your hands and feet in Germany. And we look forward to hearing what you are doing in and through their lives, God, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Okay? Thank you. I love you. All right, I uh, promised in my heart that I wouldn't get all emotional and cry on y'all and them too, and you know, and uh, yes, we love you. God's so good, isn't he? Can I introduce you to a brand new bride and groom over here on this side of the church? So Jim and Leanne, you are going to stand up for us. We want to welcome you this morning as the Mr. and Mrs. There you go. Congrats. So we did that wedding last Monday morning. So I want to say that because today we're going to talk about what God's saying to us and what he's been talking to us about in the church and in his word. Because church, um, what Dave has to say doesn't matter. It's what God says that matters. And Dave needs to be making sure that what he says is what God says. And you need to make sure that what Dave is saying is what God says. And the only way for you to know what God says is to spend time with God in his word. Right. so what we ask every week, like, did you spend that time with God in his word at least five minutes, five days last week? If you did, say yes. yes. All right, we're not going to ask the rest of the questions right now. There's a reason why I'm asking that question and leading in with this, okay? Um, we're talking about being God's church and being his people. We're singing songs about being no longer slaves to sin, being set free by God, asking God to move. Last Sunday when we were talking about the dry bones and what God's message was to Ezekiel, was that God said there's nothing he can't do. There is nothing God can't do. When we step into the fullness of who God is in our life, there's nothing God can't do in us. Church, here's the thing we're going to own personally today and what God is asking us to own today. Many of us are frustrated and we get struggling with the promises of God in our faith because we're trying to project on others what we ask God to do. We're asking God to do something in their life to change them, to make them difference, to call them to Him and do all these things in their life. And we don't see them change. I want you to know that it's because God has given us a free will to choose what we listen to, do, and are obedient to. Therefore, as we pray, we can frustrate ourselves. I'm not telling you not to pray for people. I'm getting us to a point here. We ask God to move in their life. God is already moving in their life. I promise you, God is chasing people. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin. Jesus said that. All right? So we give them to God to do His work on. But what God is asking is for you and I, individually, this is one of those moments we need the little phone booths to come over us. And it has blinders. So that we're not seeing this as for, ah, did you hear that? You know, oh God, I hope they heard that. You know, it's about what God's saying to you personally because what God is asking is that Dave would be obedient to Him. What God is asking is that you would be obedient to Him because when we are obedient, just like we read in the Scriptures, when Ezekiel was obedient to what God said, God had an opportunity to move. God, listen, will not, cannot move until we allow Him to move. Seriously, church. See, he's given us that will of surrender to who he is. Back in 1984, I know there's a book written about that, and that's not what I'm talking about, all right? So back in 1984, Kim and I had been married for one year. We were serving the Lord. I was preaching, serving him, raising a family, doing all this stuff and that, and we went to this conference, a biblical conference in Detroit. That's where we were coming from. And as we were there, this teacher up there challenged everybody in the room to make a covenant with God that you would spend at least five minutes a day in God's Word the rest of your life. I said this to you before. It's important I'm sharing this again because some of you haven't heard me say this. Kim and I, speaking together in that conference, felt the Spirit of God challenging us in our life. And together we made a covenant with God. That for the rest of our lives, we would spend a minimum of five minutes a day in God's Word. Now, you know, when we heard it, it's like, that's nothing, five minutes, of course. I mean, I got 24 hours a day, there's all this stuff going on in our lives, it's no big deal. Spend that five minutes with Him is nothing. What I've learned since then is that life can demand you, life can cause you to be ill. Things can happen in life where you're up for 24-hour periods of time because of certain circumstances that you're facing, And when you make a covenant with God, he's serious. Church, he's serious. And I can tell you right now, as God is my witness, that in the last whatever years it's been, I've done it. I've spent that time with him. Sometimes between puke buckets. Not to be gross, but I'm serious. I'm saying like, you know, it's like, no, I made this commitment to him, and we're doing this. I don't care what it is. So why am I saying that to you? Because I'm telling you something right now. That's When I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19, I wanted to know what God had to say to me. All my life I'd been told what God had to say to me. I'd been told by people. This is what God says. This is what God says. This is what God says. You need to do this, that. Don't do this. Don't do that. When he came into my life, there was such a difference in who I was inside I wanted to know that God. And I fell in love with His Word, and I began to read. And in this covenant that I made with Him, which was with Him, and my wife's was with Him, I began to look at His Word, and I began to say, God, teach me and speak to me. And God is faithful to His Word. There has not been one thing in my life, I'm telling you right now, you need to hear that, there has not been one other spiritual discipline in my life that has affected me more than being in God's word. And the reason is because most of us struggle saying, I don't know what God's saying. I don't hear his voice. I don't know what he wants. I'm not sure what his plan is for my life. I'm a little bit confused about what he's asking me right now. Hold on a minute. His scriptures are pretty clear and straight up. What we need is a foundation in our life, in a relationship with him, that is all about Jesus being the rock and the foundation on which my life is built upon in every aspect. Therefore, what I need to know is, what does my relationship with God look like from God's perspective? Not the churches, not my mom's, not my grandma's, not what somebody else says. What is God saying to me about what this relationship should look like? The only way you're going to ever know what God says about that relationship is to know what God says. Don't take my word for it. Church, you need to know what God says. Why do you think it's such a struggle for you to spend that time in God's Word? Why do you think there's so much stuff that happens? I can tell you right now, when this began in my life, there was constant confusion, different stuff happening. Telephone calls... Someone at the door, crisis with the kids, crisis with my life, my wife, everything going on. There was always something as soon as I began. You can just mark it down. It's the way it is. So some of you maybe say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to God's word on the way to work. And you turn that thing on and pretty soon someone cuts you off and you're nowhere near what God's saying. (laughs) Seriously. The next thing you know, you're thinking about something else and you're way out there. Oh, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. Look, there's a challenge that God is asking us about that is specific in His Word. In this time with God, He has reshaped my theology because I was taught a theology. Theology is our understanding of God, like who He is and what He says in our life and how we know Him. All of you have a theology. You, you may not use that word, but you have a belief in who God is, what He is in your life, and how He operates. That's your theology. Okay? So, we all have a theology, but what we need is God's theology, not ours. Not the church's. Not grandma's. Not anybody else's. We need God's. And many theologies that are being taught, written about, in in context and text are not okay. So it's a little bit dangerous, I'm just warning you, to just turn on any preacher on the radio, anybody on TV, and start listening to whatever it is they're telling you. Here's what I found as I read God's Word. He began to correct what was messed up in my life. He began to reshape my thinking about what my marriage to my wife was. He began to change my thoughts and ideas about the end times, the return of Christ, the judgment of Christ, about death, about life. He began to show me His power to do something different in my life and remake me. He began to reveal to me that absolutely God can move in your mind and begin to control those things that ran rampant before in the brain. When I looked in God's Word, He's like, Hey, I want you to know when you do something I don't like, you're going to know I don't like it before you do it. That's called conviction from the Holy Spirit. There's this flag that He waves. Don't go there! Many of us ignore the flags and we just go on. Church, God's Word tells us something. We need to learn the way of the Lord more perfectly. I want you to know I'm still a student and I'm still learning. And he's still adopting and uh, and changing my theological perspectives of who he is and what it means to be a child of God. It is an ever-learning process of surrender and growth with him. There will always be a struggle for you to take the time to be in God's Word. Now, I know that there's issues that we have like dyslexia and other things that we haven't discovered yet that make reading God's word difficult for some people. Then we have people that have attention deficit issues. We have people that like just don't understand or know how to read well. So we have already built up our excuses why I don't spend that time with God, but there are so many ways we can do it. It's available to us, church, to be read to us, and it's on the 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 apps. There's things that will read it to you. You can have a friend read it to you. Man, come on. There's no excuse for us to not know what God says in His Word. So one of the challenges that we face as we travel through this life is a lot of people say, I'm going to begin reading the Bible, and we start in Genesis, because like a book, we've learned that you start at the beginning and read to the end and so as you be- begin in Genesis and you read that and you go into Exodus and Leviticus and by Leviticus people are like I don't even know what this says and somebody told you that you could only ring the King James so you're reading the King James this is not even your language anymore and you're like I'm already confused by what it says now I don't even know what's going on and I don't get this so people get discouraged and say I just don't understand what God's word is or says I don't get the Bible so we let someone else tell, him, tell us what he says Okay, now I'm going to read some things from the Old Testament right now because I want you to see that God has not changed in who he says, what he wants and what's available to us, okay? Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, here's Moses. Remember, Moses, God has given Moses the instruction for God's people and how to worship him, serve him, live for him. They're about to step into the land that God promised to make them a great nation. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all His decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey you hear how much we're being told about how important it is to live what god says the way god says it right there is a promise that he says when you live this way you'll enjoy a long life in other words god says i will be in it with you and we will live this life together let's keep reading then all will go well with you And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Listen to what God's saying. He's saying, look, it is so critical for you to put my word in your life. It should be something you're talking about daily. Together? With your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors People around you You are supposed to be talking about What God says How are we going to talk about it If we don't know what it is Right So God tells them right here What you need to know is what I say Because what I've said Is what you need to be talking about That's why so many of us in the church Talk about other stuff We really don't know what God says We read here that knowing and living what God says affects our lives in such a critical way. God said so. What he says matters in how your life unfolds. He just said so. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you'll enjoy a long life. Listen closely. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. He didn't say you're not going to have any problems or challenges. He's saying it's going to go well with you. You're going to have this relationship with me that will carry you through everything you face in life. Every generation must know what God says because it affects their lives. We have more of God's word available to us than ever in the history of the world. It's available. Translations. Stuff that's available to us to understand the Greek and the Hebrew language, the Aramaic, the languages that the scriptures are written in immediately, uh, originally. We have access to things as common people that don't speak those languages to know what it says. Now, don't go study in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Go study the word that you understand. And if it's the contemporary English version, which is written, I think, in a first grade level, go read the contemporary English version and know what God says. You hear me, church? It's like, I need to know what God says to me, and I need to understand what it says, and we need to know what God is doing. So here's what's happening. God tells the people through Moses, this is what you got to do. Moses is now going to kick the bucket. He's out of there. God, that's not, I didn't mean that disrespectfully, but he's out. God has a plan. He's saying, like, you are an amazing political leader, spiritual leader. You are the man of God. You spoke for God. Now I need a warrior. And God brings Joshua, who was a minister to Moses, a man of God, a warrior. And so God says, Moses, he's the dude that's going to lead my people. Set it up. Joshua chapter 1. God's now speaking to Joshua. This is what he says to him. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Before I read anything else, just stop and think about this. We just heard this in Deuteronomy 6. It's the exact same wording. Listen to what he says. Do what God says and God will make a way for you. Now he says to Joshua, look, he says, I'm calling you to lead these. Be strong and courageous. Get ready to go do this. You got wars the rest of your life, Joshua. You're going to be a man of war. Now go and be courageous. But hey, when you go, make sure you're doing everything I say. Everything I say. Listen to what he goes on to tell him. Study this book of instruction continually. This is God talking to to the leader. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, let's give you just a snapshot of something. Joshua led Israel into the promised land. Only one time did they get defeated. And it was because someone was disobedient to what God said. Only one time. No enemy could stand before them. Many times they faced insurmountable human battles. People that were bigger than them, people that outnumbered them, people that had fortresses beyond their ability to take, they won the battles. You know what battle they lost? One of the smallest cities they would ever face in battle in the promised land. And the reason they lost that battle was because one of the members of the army did not obey God. One. Church, think about it. See, God's serious about us knowing what he says and doing what he says. Now, this guy's the leader of a nation, right? So he tells him, listen, I'm speaking straight up to you, Joshua. You need to know what I say. You need to study it. You need to meditate on it every day. And you need to follow it to a T. Now, church, we all talk about being busy. This guy was a leader of a nation. And he was in battle all of his life. Making battle plans, talking to God, dealing with a nation of people, overtaking cities. Look, he didn't have any more time than you and I did. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. See, the purpose of both of those instructions from God was that he would obey everything God said, and then his obedience would allow God to do what he said. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Let's jump up to the Psalms. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners... Or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I keep hearing this common thread, don't you? When we do what God says, God can do what He says. It's called obedience. It's called knowing Him, knowing what he says, living what he says, and then God can do what he says. Keep reading. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. See, it's very clear as we look in God's word. It's like obvious that we need to spend time in God's word. And not only do we need to spend time in God's word, but we need to meditate upon it. Now, there's a lot of uh, messed up meditation out there, so I don't want to get lost in stuff. Here's what it is. The difference is this. Those that teach meditation in the world talk about emptying your mind. We're not talking about emptying your mind. We're talking about filling your mind. Filling your mind with God and what God says. When he says meditate on his word. There's a reason. He's saying, get that word in you and think about what I'm saying. Spend some time listening to what it is I have said to you. So take that psalm right there, Psalm 1, as an example. God is giving us an illustration of what he says. He says, when you do what I say, when you know what I say, it's like a tree planted by a river. There's no way it's going to let the leaves fall off it's going to always bear fruit it's going to be strong and vibrant and living we live in the desert y'all know that we drive around and you know there's a wash you can get up on the mountain and look around and you can see where all the high water tables are because all that vegetation looks different than the rest of the desert this is god's word think about it he's saying this is the way your life will be in the midst of all the dryness, the barrenness and the drought of the world around you, when you have yourselves rooted in God's Word, standing on what He says, knowing who He is, you're not going to look like you're dead. You're going to have life. And God's going to be able to work through you. And He said, you're going to bring forth a harvest. You're going to produce something of value for the kingdom of God. So you just think about that illustration. Put that in your head and say, God, that's what I want to be. I want to stand out in this world. I want to be there with you. I want to be rooted in what you say. I want to know you, God. I want you to be the sustenance of my life. God, I want that river to flow. And I want that water to sink in. And I want the people around me to say, what in the world is happening in his life? That's God's Word. He says meditate on that. Think about that. Put that in you. Why do you think God's not moving in the church today? I'm not saying not as a whole. Do you understand me? Like there's this, this thing that's not happening in the church. We don't look any different than the world. It's because God's people are not knowing what God says to live what God says in the fullness of obedience. We should be standing out. God's church will stand out. We are light. We're life. We're who he is. We should stand out. Okay, it's God's word, man. Let's go further in the, new, the Old Testament before we jump into the New. Isaiah 55. I don't know if you got this in your devotionals already or if this one's coming up in the next couple days. I don't know. I did it. I think I'm one ahead right now. We send out devotionals if you want to sign up for that online in case you don't know what I'm talking about. Isaiah 55. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. This is God talking through the prophet. Church, do you know this is what God is saying to His people, to us? This is God Himself saying, and He's giving us another picture, a visual. Think about it. When the rains come, and I pray we have some monsoon rains, when they come, everything in the desert around changes. The things I can see now, looking out across the desert, pretty soon I can't see anything because all the leaves just go, bam! Bam! There's life. Complete transformation. God's saying, look, this is what happens when the word of God comes. It comes and it brings life. And it's like, bam, there's life. (laughs) God says it's going to do something. Please hear me today. God's speaking to us. And God is saying something to us individually. And he's saying, I want to do something. I want to move in you. In you. I want to do something. It requires our obedience to Him, our surrender to Him, and our believing what He says is truth beyond all the other noise in the world around us. By just hearing these few challenges from God's Word, we see that there is a pretty obvious statement of God that we need to know what he says and spend time in his word. Don't you agree? Come on, I mean, seriously. We need to think about what he said. We got to listen to what he says. We need to think about it. Let it stay in me. Okay. So this is not a disrespect, so please don't be offended at this, but I'm saying it's time that the church grew up beyond the... Turn the pages... Okay, what do you want to say to me today, God? You know what I'm saying? It's like a little beyond, oh, I read a devotional every day. It gives me a verse and then it says something underneath it. I mean, I'm not telling you not to read your devotionals. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying, church, don't you think that it should require a little more of me to know what God's saying? Than to just kind of like do with a random point the finger thing If you're a baby in your face Point the finger, I don't care But come on man, if you've been walking with God for a while And you're still doing the random finger walk through God's word You need to grow up You need to grow up If the thing that you're reading in God's word is a verse a day And then you read the devotional and then you're moving on your way Come on, spend some time with God It's not about the quantity of the word that you put in you. It's about the quality of the time in the word that you spend. And that is you let that word come into you and you spend that time with God, letting him speak to you through that word. Do you know he tells us he'll renew our mind over and over again in the New Testament? See, the renewing of my mind comes because now I want to know what God says, what God thinks, what God knows. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. You know that? The Holy Spirit... He tells us in His Word that the Holy Spirit will let us know what God says and thinks. It's biblical. Okay. So maybe, uh, again, this is not a disrespect when I say we ask that uh, that question every week, like have you spent at least five minutes a day, five days last week in God's Word? Like if you've been doing that since we started that, which would be about, I don't even know, probably seven years ago now and you're still just punching your timer for five minutes, I'm just going to challenge you to grow up. Okay? I mean that respectfully, church. I mean, if God's saying something to me about my life and what it means to live this life and that it's going to affect my life, I think I want to know what he's saying. And I better know what he's saying. God's word addresses every area of our life. We talked about what it means to have a relationship with Him in marriage, one man, one woman. We talked about the fact that what He says about sex and how that is supposed to work and what God's plan was that. We know that He teaches us about relationships and family. He talks about how we can impact people around us. I mean, God's Word talks to us about every subject of our life. And we need to embrace it and know what He says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're moving in the New Testament. I know we're almost done and I am almost done so don't panic we're not going through the whole New Testament you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus did you hear that? you've been taught since you were a kid Timothy this is Paul writing to the young pastor you've been taught what God says it is true what God says that you've been given the wisdom to understand the salvation of Jesus Christ he goes on All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Yeah. See, we all need correction from God. And so he's saying, look, when you spend time in God's word, he has the opportunity to say, hey, this needs a change in you. This is what I say. Listen to what it goes on to say. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Wow, isn't that cool? He's like, it's not just that I'm going to point out what's wrong with you, because you know I grew up in a church like that? They would tell me everything you do wrong. But it's not about what you need to do right. Acts 17. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Isn't that awesome? See, God's good to His word. His word is truth. And when we listen and we take God's Word in and then we go back and look at what God says and we know what He says and we act upon it, God moves. That's how a move of God happens. It just showed us right here in Scripture, this is what happens. We listen to a Word of God, listen to the message God gives, listen to what He says in His Word. We're like, hey, is that what you said? Yep, that's what God says. The Holy Spirit affirms that truth. We apply that truth and then lives are changed. Beginning with mine. And because my life has changed, other lives are changed. That's what was happening throughout the book of Acts. When we read the Bible, people were coming to faith. Not at the church service. The church services were happening and probably some people came to faith. But people were coming to faith while the church was living in the day-to-day life living the truth of what God said, sharing with what God said, sharing their lives with people, and people were being saved daily. Not just on Sunday. People were being saved daily, and the church continued to grow and expand as lives were being changed. Why? Because the people of God heard what God said, believed it in their own lives, and lived it. It's pretty amazing when you do what he says. The effects of searching God's Word day after day was more believers, more people believing. So they, uh, no sarcasm here, I'm just saying, like, they didn't have Wikipedia, they didn't have Google search, they didn't have Bible commentaries, they didn't have study Bibles, most of them didn't even have scriptures. So they had to go to the teachers, they had to go to the scribes, they had to look at what God said, listen to what was being taught to them, seek God through it, and God's truth was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit through the knowledge of His Word. There was a span of 10 years in my life where I stopped reading all commentaries, study notes, and everything else. I just put them aside. That God, I need to know what you say. I have been indoctrinated by human beings all my life i don't want that in my life god i want to know what you say dave doesn't create his old theology i don't have a new movement or some new idea i'm bringing to you church when we get to god's word and let god speak what happens is my life changed i began to hear things differently i began to live differently i began to see god differently and i saw god move differently Because Dave was finally listening to what God said instead of what everybody else was telling him. Now some of what they were telling me was good. And it was affirmed in God's Word. It'll always be affirmed in God's Word when the message is from God. Remember what Jesus said in John 16? The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. See, I believe, I believe, church, today, that God wants to do something incredible in your life. Own that right now. You own what is being said right now. God wants to do something incredible in your life. That incredible thing God wants to do in your life requires your surrender to what he's saying to you. The majority of Christians I talk to, no disrespect to you, brother, you were talking to me this morning. This is not about you. I already had this written down. We know what God has said to us and we say, I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm not perfect. First off, God didn't say, be perfect and come to me. Secondly, God didn't say, hey, try to do this for me. The last thing I'm going to say is God didn't tell us to work on anything. He said, come to me and surrender. Church, you already know what God is talking to you about in your life. You already know. Why are we wrestling with it? Why are you wrestling with God over something that you already know what he said? You want God to move in your life. He wants to move in your life. It requires your obedience to what he says. Stop talking around it. Stop asking him to talk about another subject. God's going to talk about that subject until you surrender that subject and become obedient to him. Let's go. Stand with me. We're done. All right, I'm seriously like, I just, I feel that The Spirit of God was just challenging and saying, like, I'll do it. (laughs) We were singing a little song a little while ago, and the only words I remember it is Sin has no hold on me. Only. Come on, church. Altar's open. Please. God's asking, not Dave. God's asking, will you? Will you? It's all about the surrender right now. It's all about this surrender right now. This is what God's talking to you about. You know what it is. You know what it is. Yes, Lord, it's about our obedience to what you're talking to us about. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it is, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, God. For those of you that are up here praying right now, I just want you and I want everybody else listening to me right now. I want you to know, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago that I said, I believe a move of God is coming. I do. And last we were talking about speaking and then God moving and stuff. This is exactly what a move of God looks like. This is what it looks like. It's not enthusiastic. Woo, woo, woo. It's yes, God. (laughs) A move of God is surrender. A move of God is obedience. And so God. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Is it yes? All you that are up here, is it yes? That's all he's saying. Is it yes? Your way, God, not mine. Yes, Lord. I'm done. I surrender. It's all yours. Leave it here. Whatever it is, leave it right here at the altar. Leave it right here. Give it to God and walk away. Yes, God, that that battle's over. You win. I surrender. It's all yours. Don't work on it. Don't drag it with you. Don't tell them we're going to do this this week. It's right now. Leave it right here at the altar. And when you give it to them, get up and walk away. Don't take it with you. When the devil says nothing happened, you tell him, yes, it did. It's all God's. Talk to him about it. We just trust God right now for freedom and deliverance and broken, broken from that chains. Remember, look where my chains are now. We were saying, look where they are. They're behind us. No longer strapped to us. We're not tied to anything. We're free. God has set us free. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go in that freedom, church. Get on out of here. God bless you today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.